Welcome to Under Your Helmet, the mental health and neuroscience podcast for equestrians in Canada. Your hosts are Dr. Megan Pinfield, a registered clinical counselor, and Christina Stevenson, a professional equestrian coach and horse trainer. We would like to acknowledge that Under Your Helmet is recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Kwantlen, Patsy, Matsqui, and Semiamu First Nations people. So in light of a viral video that's uh, making the rounds today, uh, we have decided to postpone our episode on adverse childhood experiences and instead talk about the video um, that's uh, really on people's minds. So Christina, have you seen this, this USEF video? Yep, and just like so many of us, I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, what was your first sort of impression when you watched it? I was really sad that these students are putting themselves in a position to expose themselves to this way of teaching. It does absolutely no good for them, for their horses, for their development as riders. Yeah, I I had a really um, sort of visceral feeling um, when I watched it. I, I actually kind of felt really icky in my body. Um, and I wasn't entirely sure what was sort of causing that. And I had to go back and watch it a couple more times. And that's when I started sort of actually paying attention to the language that the coach was using uh, and watching the rider's body language in response to that. Did you notice sort of some of that? Yeah, I definitely saw a lot of discomfort going on from the riders in their faces, in the way they weren't uh, making eye contact. And then some of it... Uh, was with the the horses stress levels going up and some of their physical demonstrations they were just showing they weren't ready for what was being put in front of them and there's a lot of things that can go on in a clinic situation that can be different than an at-home lesson some of that structure can be very different some of the expectations can be very different but there was a lot of language that was used that was very inappropriate for that time and in in training and teaching in general yeah, I, I felt like this coach was really unaware of, you know, the what how the riders were feeling, how the horses were feeling, and the, the general sort of response to her lessons. Did, did you get that? Is that? Yeah. So she wasn't evaluating and recognizing the students' mental health within it. She wasn't checking in with them to see, like, no. What did you think of this? Uh, how are you, how are you read, feeling for doing the next step? All of that. And yes, it's an edited version. So there may have been some of that behind the scenes that we weren't aware of. Sure. But I don't really get the feeling that she really cared what the students thought at all. No, like there's there's parts where she's saying, you know, things like, you know, look at me when I'm talking to you. And, and my thinking is like, what child is going to want to make eye contact with with an adult who is demeaning and shaming them. Like that's, that seems like it's beyond ridiculous. Yeah, especially when they're in a position where they don't have a voice back. Uh, when you're in that situation of 
being taught by somebody who's at such a higher level than you are and that you're supposed to admire and, and you probably do admire that when they're treating you like you're not worth anything and they're essentially calling you stupid or or weak or ineffective and and all of these other languages that were used you really disconnect yourself from that moment as as a way to protect yourself um, yeah and i i actually i had a moment where i was thinking that th there's a moment in the video and i don't i'm not sure if you saw this but she's kind of implying that the students aren't listening to her and my first thought was of course they're not listening they're all in a state of shock and fear and that's you know like their cortex their their higher brain functions are actually shutting down and the only thing that's operating is that fight flight response which is to keep them safe they're they're yeah. almost like just protecting themselves and at the same time, they're trying to organize their horses to do what is expected of them. So their brain is kind of being pulled in, in two separate parts here. Oh, yeah. You've got the instinctual part that's going, ah, this is not, don't feel safe here. And then they're still trying to stay alive by riding their horses. Yeah. And the horses are responding to both the, the coach's level of sort of stress and frustration. And then also now on top of them is the rider who's clearly tense and, you know, fearful. Absolutely. And we have to assume that the students in this clinic are actually at a level where they should be competent to do this clinic. They're riding broke horses. They've been in a show ring before. And then we're seeing uh, horses here that are exhibiting really obvious signs of stress. We've got swishy tail. We've got bucking. We've got pulling on yeah. the bit. We've got some things that are saying the horse isn't in a learning state either in different parts of it and instead of the coach uh, or the clinician adjusting the lesson back to what the students and horses really need so that they can then progress through in a confident state it's just kind of driven through and and it gets worse and worse as it goes yeah i mean the first principle of of coaching teaching learning is that uh, you somehow have to get through to the cortex, right? And the only way through is, you know, through the brainstem. And if the brainstem is sending out signals that it is under threat, which is most likely what's happening to these riders when she's saying, you know, you're you're being, what does she call them? Bird brains Bird or brains, weak yeah. or something. Um, you know, their threat response is activated and now they're, you know, feeling like they need to protect themselves and they're not thinking, they're not using, you know, the, the brain functions they need to. And now they're on top of a dangerous animal. Like the whole thing is just ridiculous. And I find this a lot with clinics. They have a, a format that is kind of expected to be followed along they've the clinician has to come in with a lesson plan and the lesson plan is designed for sometimes several different levels beginner intermediate advanced and you've got riders in a group which may have different skills and different abilities within that and sometimes they're in the wrong lesson group and if a beginner or the lower level person is put at a higher level lesson they'll feel over challenged and then they just can't meet that lesson plan and the lesson plan has to continue and they feel like they're holding the group back and there's so many other emotions that go into this clinic that uh, really can get in the way and cause problems 
I don't like I've never done a clinic of this level before. In fact, I've, I probably haven't done any clinics before, so I don't really know that much about it. But don't doesn't the coach have the ability to just sort of change what they're doing if it's clearly not working? They should for sure. Uh, I don't know so much about in the format of the clinic if they can say move a, a student down into an earlier lesson or the lesson prior, say a, an intermediate lesson if they can move that person down into the beginner lesson so that the levels are more matched but uh the coach for sure should change the lesson format and that can just be reducing a challenge down to um, a level that is suitably challenging for that student and it might be about taking away a pole it might be breaking it down into saying maybe a student just just wait for a minute we'll get these guys going through this and then we'll change it up for you and if you can do those things you're gonna bring that rider's stress level down back to where you'll be able to get them back up to the lesson again quite quickly but if you don't give their brain time to feel safe again they're gonna stay in that stress state for the whole time and then you've just lost them and the whole point of the clinic is to take something away from it to take home and they just won't have anything to take home other than that they did not like that experience absolutely i mean i i do a lot of teaching um and you know when i get three responses or something in a row where the the, the students are asking the same question or they're not doing the thing that i just told them to do my first response is oh i'm not being clear or i'm not sort of doing something in a way that's making sense to them so what, how else can I coach this or teach this so that the students get it? My first response is not to shame the students and, and call them, you know, names like it. Ab absolutely. So even in, in my regular lessons, I will give a couple of, of directions and students are in a position where they not only have to think about what they're going to do with themselves, but they have to ride the horse underneath them. And that might not be going so smoothly. So again, their attention is kind of split between what they need to do in the future and what they need to do right now. And when you add stress on top of it, those things can be very hard. And our brain sometimes, it, it will compartmentalize into what do I need to do right now? And it will lose track of what we need to do in the future. And that's why it seems like we forget the next element. So in yeah. doing in doing the 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 focus and pay attention and and lesson and I get it that's a really huge part of what went wrong in this lesson is that it was like the students weren't able to follow directions but that in itself is the biggest sign of overwhelming. Oh yeah. I think they weren't able to follow the directions because they were like almost having sort of a trauma response where they were checked out. It definitely looked that way. Yeah. And then the, the horses scenario react to that too, because they feel like they've lost a predictable guide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's almost like, you know, a, a, a trickle down effect. You've got a, a highly sort of frustrated, almost sort of angry coach in some respects, coaching riders who are now anxious and fearful and feeling tense. And then they're sitting on horses that are now feeling tense and stressed and anxious. And it's just, it keeps getting worse down the line. Yeah. When we're going into these clinics, we really want to admire, respect, and learn from the, the clinician in all of this and take it away. And 
sometimes we're willing to go into these situations at the sacrifice of a little bit of self-worth. There's been in the past a thing of, well, you're going to take away from that, from that person as much as you can. Unfortunately, sometimes what you're taking away is a little bit of trauma and a little bit of damage to your, to your self-worth. And looking back at the positions that I've put myself in and my parents didn't recognize where we were at either with it. It just wasn't worth it in the end. I could have got that education from a much better source. Yeah, I think there there's always a better way to help someone learn and understand than through shame and, and demeaning and demoralizing sort of behavior. I My question is sort of, you know, what, what the parents' reaction was to this. Like, I kind of really like to know how the parents of these students, um, and I, I'm not sure what ages they were, but how the parents kind of felt about this. Because ultimately, it's it's sort of the responsibility of the parents to, you know, to, to complain or to, um, to correct this kind of behavior. Because the kids themselves, they really are not in a position to be able to do that. In this scenario, the coach is all powerful. Well, the, the students definitely have no means to say how they're feeling within the situation and maybe even after. And the parents, I think, sometimes, maybe even many times, aren't even present at these things um, because the coach is quite often the the one responsible for the learning process. Um, it's kind of like, well, I pay my coach to do that, so I just leave it all up to them. And the coaches will always say, well, I know best. You're not a coach. And so the parents are like, well, I guess I can't have an opinion on any of this. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because, um, I mean, we all want our children to be coached by a good coach uh, who gets results. But uh, if you're not present and you're not actually seeing this happen, then how does it ever sort of stop? Like, how, do, how does the cycle stop being perpetuated? Well, and I think a lot of of students when the when a parent says oh how did your how did your lesson go the student probably feels a certain degree of pressure or maybe even shame if they say well I didn't like it because well you were so lucky to be in that position oh, and oh, yeah. I paid a lot of money for you to get in that position or the student might even be saying that themselves yeah well I um, hope not I hope that these students um, you know are empowered to speak up about their experiences um, it's unfortunate that this is not that atypical in this industry. I think we can just do so much better than this. Oh, we should be doing better, so much better. This is absolutely unacceptable. And in order for uh, the sport to continue, uh, it has to change because yeah. this makes all of us in this industry look bad, whether we're coaches or not. And we haven't even gotten into the into the the horses treatment within this. It's really oh, yeah. not a whole nother topic, but it's a whole nother leg to this creature. Um, yeah, but I, it exactly. it comes down to a lack of respect for for all three parties for the horses, the riders, and and for the coach who really seems to be uh, a little bit grandiose in all of this. Yeah, it's just dis disrespectful, shaming, and uh, extremely tense situation for everyone involved. And it's it's unfortunate. I really hope that the, the riders and the horses, and, and I hope that the coach too, 
um, you know, learn something from this and, um, you know, get some uh, support for everything that's happened. There certainly is a lot of critique going on about it. And even USCF's response back, it kind of feels like a little bit like they're straddling the fence on their response, uh, saying, well, sometimes we need to do this, but this part isn't okay. And I don't even know that they went even as far as that. I think it's just opening and it will be really interesting where this leads to. And there certainly has been a lot of conversation about it with some people oh, saying, yeah. well, this is this is how you get to be a winner. Uh, this is how you make winners. But I think there's a whole other side that really winners can be made a whole other way. Yeah, it's going to take more time and that costs money. Yes, not everybody is diving in saying, yes, please treat me like that just so I can get this information. When that information can be given to you with better treatment. Yeah. I, I mean, this is probably, you know, much more typical of the 80s coach. I mean, I oh, very, <laughs> I, I sort of remember the 80s and, 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 that, and this doesn't seem that far from then. Um, but I really sort of wonder, you know, what's going to happen going forward, because I certainly see in my graduate students and, and, you know, they're in their, you know, probably early 20s now. Uh, for the most part, uh, and they will absolutely not put up with this kind of uh, behavior from a teacher or from a coach. And so I'm very curious to know, uh, you know, what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, the next 10 years will be really demonstrative of uh, where the society is going in its tolerance of, of poor behavior. Yeah, and 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 the equestrian in industry is going to have to keep up. It's it's going to have to uh, be flexible and adapt and change in order to survive. Yeah. That's my prediction. I think it's really unfortunate that we, as developing professionals, we emulate what we see and what we're told is how it has to be done. Uh, so hopefully there are better examples that will be highlighted and shown. We need more on the better side. So maybe we just need a good video of what good coaching really looks like, effective coaching that can produce results and be positive at the same time. Yeah, and you should make it. <laughs> well, I'd love to be a part of it, but I don't know if that's going to be in the future. <laughs> well, I hope so. Thank you. All right, that about wraps up this conversation and then join us for our next podcast where we go back to our usual production and we'll discuss ACEs and their childhood experiences and how they affect our long-term growth and development. As always, take care of what's under your helmet. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is produced and edited by Megan Pinfield and Christina Stevenson. Intro music is Sunshine by Leva at Lemon Music Studios. If you've enjoyed your time with us, please hit the subscribe button so you can catch our next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and take good care of what's under your helmet.